It's May 20, 2019. It's International Clinical Trials Day, no less. Hello and welcome to the MTP Connect podcast. I'm Stuart Dignam. And to mark this significant day for health and medical research, we've assembled a stellar panel of local and international guests to talk about clinical trials, why they're so important for patients and also for the economy. Dr. Dan Grant, our CEO, is here, of course, and joining us are Leanne Weeks, who is the Program Director at CTIQ, Carrie Bloomfield, who's co-chair of the R&D Task Force and Head of Clinical Research at GSK Australia, and on the line from the bustling heart of Newport Beach, Southern California, is Eric Gildenhaus, who's Vice President, Business Development at Deep Six AI. Welcome to you all. Thank you. Thank you. So first up, a pop quiz. Why are we celebrating today? What are we commemorating? Anybody jump in? We are commemorating the very first randomised clinical trial that took place on the high seas and was a very important study to understand the best treatment option for scurvy. So a series of 12 sailors, two per cohort of six cohorts, were offered a range of treatment options for their horrible scurvy. And it was discovered that oranges and lemons, or some other citrus, I can't recall, that's not, that's not the facts get in the way here. Yeah. <laughs> um, it was discovered that those sailors, after having citrus, uh, vitamin C, cured their scurvy and they were back on deck, mopping away before you knew it. And from those, from those humble beginnings, we're, we're here with um, a, a significant industry, a significant opportunity for, for patient health. Dan, tell us about the uh, scope of clinical trials in Australia. Thanks, Stuart. Look, we've, we have come a long way from 12 sailors in clinical trials. If you look at the data um, reaching back be- between 2006 and 2015 in Australia, more than 5 million people have been involved in clinical trials in Australia. That's about 500,000 patients and, and individuals each year participating in, in trials, which really demonstrates, you know, the community's desire to be involved in these trials. But it's more than just, you know, the, the patients being involved. We've got more than 7,000 people employed in the sector. We have about 1,800 clinical trials being conducted each year in Australia. About 30% of those are conducted by industry. Um, you know, and, and I think the value of, of doing clinical trials in Australia is, is really clear. You know, it, it's giving patients early access to, to novel therapeutics. It's growing the economy. It is a significant export in Australia um, with, you know, sort of upwards of a billion dollars worth of, of activity in the clinical trial sector in Australia. Um, the vast majority of that, about $930 million of that spend comes from industry supporting clinical trials. So there's patient outcomes, there's economic outcomes, there's jobs. Really a very important part of a robust and diverse health ecosystem in Australia. And Leanne, you're at CTIQ and you're integrally involved in trying to improve Australia's capabilities in clinical trials. Tell us a bit about CTIQ, but also for a patient, what does accessing a clinical trial really mean? So CTIQ started through a conversation between Belbury, ACTA, the NHMRC, CTC and the George Institute forming a consortium initiating CTIQ. And the mission is really to get Australia thinking smarter about the way to conduct clinical trials. We're aiming to bring the entire clinical trial sector together. Our mission is to develop and implement recommendations that will improve the impact, the quality and the efficiency of clinical trials. So with all of those stakeholders involved in in what you do, and and MTP Connect supports CTIQ, it's clear that um, 
there's a desire to make clinical trials more efficient and that there are a lot of stakeholders involved who, who have some input into doing that. Yes, absolutely. Um, efficiency of trials is certainly one of the three areas of focus for CTIQ. Um, we're, we're really endeavouring to bring the entire clinical trial sector together to do that. And from your perspective, Carrie, at the R&D Task Force, tell us about the R&D Task Force, but also um, GSK Australia's um, interests, um, activities in clinical trials in Australia. Okay, sure. As it is International Clinical Trials Day, though, and Dan has mentioned the number of people who have been involved in clinical trials as participants, and I I would like to start by thanking all those people for their contribution to medical research. They are the unsung, unheard people in the clinical trial sector. Dan's mentioned dollars, he's mentioned percentages. At the bottom of all of that is people and patients, and a lot of the reason people participate in clinical trials is altruistic. So let's thank them for that. So to all those people, thank you. Um, The R&D task force has been around for a long time. It's been around since the end of the, about 2009, when the then government began to look at clinical trials, the importance of clinical trials, and the importance of making the conduct of clinical trials in Australia more efficient. We were already involved in clinical trials, um, local investigator-led, clinician-led studies, as well as being involved in global clinical trials. So Australia's always contributed strongly. At the end of the noughties, um, it was identified we need to do more in the sector. The R&D task force came together as an industry group representing um, our perspective on the conduct of clinical trials and being a strong part of helping to shape and form the reform in clinical trials environment over the last 10 plus years. Um, So the R&D task force is generally made up of people from across the sector, industry, um, heads of clinical research or other senior people in industry um, who have a heavy involvement in clinical trials. Um, There are people who've been on that R&D task force since the very beginning and have seen a lot of change take place. So we continue to be a presence to be consulting with government, whether that be federal, state, territories, um, and other people across the sector as partners to help improve the sector um, and to give our perspective on clinical trials. Given that we come with a very international mindset, because when we're looking at global clinical trials that many of us are involved in in the industry, we see the competition that we have from other countries also wanting to participate. Uh, It's important for us here in Australia to ensure we continue to bring clinical trials here because it's important for Australians to be involved in clinical trials. Indeed, and we'll we'll talk more about that in, in, in just a moment. But I'll bring you in now, Eric, from Newport Beach, where I guess the weather's probably pretty nice, as it always is in Southern California. Um, For a clinical trial to be effective, Eric, you've got to have patience, and um, I guess that's where Deep Six comes in. Deep Six is a company that initially had developed a technology that was able to read through an enormous amount of data. One of the challenges that uh, we find in the clinical trial space is finding patients for those clinical trials. I think uh, earlier on, as a good example, we talked about the uh, sailors who had scurvy. It was very easy to identify them because, A, they were there, and it was a simple problem. They have scurvy. Uh, Today's clinical trials are becoming more and more complex, thus requiring somebody to review the patient's medical records to find the appropriate patient 
um, as we get more and more into precision medicine, um, meaning we're, we're targeting specific types of patients with specific types of conditions, that requires somebody going through all the medical records manually. Uh, and uh, I was just, when I was in Australia recently, there was a case where uh, somebody had to go through 800 patients' medical records manually just to find five patients for a cancer trial. And so uh, Deep Six, we developed a platform that enables those researchers themselves to be able to find those patients in minutes and, and validate them as trial eligible. So it's a huge paradigm shift compared to the way we've been doing it. And so that is saving an enormous amount of time with uh, these hospitals and researchers in finding those patients. It reduces the number of, of failed trials because I think Carrie and, and Dan will definitely understand, will definitely agree is that there's anywhere from a 50% failure rate at sites in finding patients. They may find one, but they may not find enough patients for a clinical trial. So uh, we believe that this is you know, a solution that's going to help get more patients not, you know, in Australia and abroad into trials a lot quicker. So that transition to using you know, big data AI, how advanced is that in Australia from your experience and you know, some, some of the other countries that you're working in? We recently just launched this platform in the United States, and, and Aussies, uh, like you know, I would say Canadians, I'm Canadian, are, tend to be very innovative and are always taking a look at new ways or different ways of doing things. And um, the analogy that I've used in regards to the, this uh, platform or what we're looking to do is the way people are looking and finding patients uh, at the institutional level for clinical trials is more around like they're still manually washing dishes. And now we've got a platform that basically enables them to, you know, it's like they've now got this dishwasher, but nobody knows about it. But, you know, in Australia, we've we identified some, some key people that uh, actually reached out to us, and then they saw that this was great, and then there's a, an incredibly strong network of people in Australia that they started sharing this information among the institutions that in less than a year, We've now, you know, we've deployed at multiple institutions in Australia. We're looking to do more, uh, and it's benefiting them significantly. Dan, if, if Australia does lead in the take-up of uh, adoption of big data, how would that position us uh, from, a, from a global competitiveness perspective? I, I think there's no doubt that, that big data, digital health, AI, is going to be critical in, in all of the efforts that happen in health moving forward. And Australia is well positioned to to capitalize on that. We've got a growing digital health sector. We've got strong AI. We've we've got great desires to to work with groups like Deep Six and, and others to to leverage our healthcare system. You know, we've got a very robust and 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 well defined healthcare system in Australia, which I think sets us up really well to to capitalize on on big data. I think there's probably a, a really important reason why we want to do that, though, and that's because of our, our, the size of our country and the fact that many potential patients are missing out on being able to access clinical trials because they don't reside within the, the big capital cities. And so this is a way of, of providing equitable access to clinical trials and, and new therapeutics to people regardless of where they reside in Australia. Yeah, I think I'm going I'm to add to that. That's, what was interesting as with Deep Six is when we first looked at the solution, we were looking at it from, hey, you're a researcher. How many patients do you have at an institution? 
in Australia, when we first started talking to some of the people, it was clear that it was, okay, we not only want to see what patients we have at our institution, but what other patients exist in the other institutions across Australia. Um, a good example, you know, Western Australia Cancer Registry has a lot of uh, Aboriginal people that are underserved and may not be aware that there's a clinical trial, and their and their providers, the doctors, may not be aware that there's a clinical trial that might help or save their lives somewhere else in Australia. And so that is something that I, you know, that that you know, Dan has hit on. That is, I think, something unique that um, Australia is doing in using Deep Six that is unique to. Um, the rest of the countries that we're deploying are really thinking about how do I find more patients or how do I you know, provide underserved patients with information to enable them to identify where they can go to get a potential alternative treatment than the existing uh, treatments that they may or may not be working. And, and at MTP Connect, we're funding a number of initiatives to focus on that, including um, supporting ClinTrial Refer and their 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 program to develop a mechanism to cross-refer between clinical trials and the COSA teletrial um, program as well, CTIQ and mm-hmm. recruitment. So I think, yeah, that, that equitable access to clinical trials is really important. And, and a good sentiment on International Clinical Trials Day. Absolutely. Now, somebody conducting a, a clinical trial could potentially do that anywhere in the world. What is it about Australia that makes Australia a, a, an attractive destination for a clinical trial? A couple of things. I mean, we have a proven track record over many years conducting clinical trials and contributing strongly to international clinical trials. So you're only as good as the last thing you did. And if the last thing you did was successfully contribute to an international clinical trial, why wouldn't you come back here? But why in the first place? I guess we have a lot of key opinion leaders, world key opinion leaders in Australia sitting in their offices, treating patients, doing their research, and they're very well regarded and they're well known internationally. So that's one thing. Our healthcare system is advanced and uh, the infrastructure here to conduct clinical trials is is available and, and easy to access as well. Um, so those are, I guess, the key things from my perspective why we continue to have clinical trials coming into Australia. Clinical trials can also be relatively quick to get started because of our clinical trial notification scheme. And I guess, although we can't compete on population size or recruitment numbers, we have gained a reputation for a niche of early phase clinical trials. And and we certainly need to consolidate that position and make sure we continue to lead. And and I think we should remember that we are relatively cost effective. The the study by Frost and Sullivan showed that that I think we're about 30% cheaper than than doing a trial in the U.S. before you look at the R&D tax incentives. Um, and when you consider R&D tax incentives and, and the position of our dollar against other world currencies, we can be up to 60 or 70% less expensive to do the trial. So we have this, you know, we have this sophisticated healthcare system. We've got rapid approvals. We've got quality data being conducted. We've got a great population of patients to access, and we're cost-effective. And Carrie, do you think there's a, an appreciation in the community that uh, accessing a clinical trial is potentially accessing a, a life-saving drug? Do you think that's well understood in the community? I think in some patient groups it is, and I would reference oncology patients in particular. You know, when you have a diagnosis in and around cancer, you begin to looking at what am I going to do next and what can I do to extend my life or improve my outcome or even seeking a cure. So some groups are more, I guess, focused on treatment options, which would include clinical trials more than others. 
I think the average person with a chronic illness, asthma, rheumatoid arthritis, diabetes, not necessarily as focused on clinical trials. There are already treatment options, medications available to those patients, so they're not necessarily out looking for a clinical trial. But what they probably don't realise is there is an opportunity to get involved in the development of new innovations, whether it be a, a pharmaceutical product, a, a device, or even a wearable or some, something like that. So I don't think that patients generally have an understanding that clinical trials are or could be for them because it's not offered to them. And unless you know about clinical trials, you don't go looking for them. So I think we do have a challenge that we need to tackle in Australia about having the community more aware of clinical trials, why we run them, why they might be a treatment option for them, or why they might want to get involved to not necessarily benefit themselves, but to benefit those who've come along behind them, who may be recently diagnosed, who may get a better outcome if they were to be involved in an innovative new product earlier on. Um, So I think that's one of our challenges in the country is to get that awareness out. And Eric, that kind of comes right back to you about uh, knowledge of uh, trials being, being open. What's the perspective in the U.S.? The uh, perspective in the U.S. in regards to finding trials for, you know, if I'm a patient or I'm a doctor, finding trials for themselves, um, it's a challenge because, um, first and foremost, you know, which website, where do they find that information? Number two, um, how do they determine if, if a specific one is going to fit to them when they may not have the medical knowledge to identify that? So they've got to then spend time either, you know, becoming very knowledgeable on their condition and seeing if it matches all of the criteria uh, for that trial. And then, you know, from a doctor's standpoint is knowing uh, what trials are available. And as Dan mentioned, you know, ClinRefer working closely in Australia in providing the doctors some of the relevant information and all the trials that are going on is a huge difference compared to what's going here in the United States because the United States, there's thousands of trials and, and, you know, doctors cannot figure that out. So having a platform, a technology platform, you know, leveraging the big data to say, hey, look, as a patient, here's, you know, based on all of your medical records, here are some trials that can help you or that you can help in participating to help, you know, conf- you know whether with your existing disease or, as, as previously mentioned, uh, help for the people coming after them. Um, is something that I'm not. I'm going to say there's some. There are some technologies out there, but not to the, to the level that it needs to be uh, down the road because of the American uh, healthcare system compared to a uh, the Australian uh, market space. Okay, so on International Clinical Trials Day, uh, let's go around the around the room and maybe identify one or two primary challenges that we all have to grow the sector and to expand the, the reach and impact and equity of, of clinical trials. Dan, I'll start with you. I knew you were going to start with me, Stuart. <laughs> uh, look, Stuart, I think on International Clinical Trials Day, we need to, to as Kerry said, thank all the patients who are, are participating in this sector. Um, clinical trials should be thought of as a major export for Australia. You know, it's it's 1.1 billion dollars of spend. It's money that money and access to to novel therapeutics that are coming into the country. Um, it is fantastic for patients. It's fantastic for our clinicians to be involved in early early studies to understand the new therapies that are coming through. It's important for the economy. It's important for patients. 
Leanne? Well, certainly success of trials depends on recruiting enough participants to answer the questions we've set out to answer and, and delays in recruitment delay the time it takes for medical advances to reach patients. In terms of what we're doing at CTIQ, we're really, there's, there's a lot of work going on globally as, as I'm sure everyone's aware and this the project that we're working on really aims to do a comprehensive review of that work. What are the tools and techniques? What are the recommendations for improving recruitment? We're unashamedly about identifying practical recommendations and tools to boost recruitment at the site level. And um, we're looking at this as a first piece of work, one of many for the future. Great. And Eric, how about you? Both, both prior people you know, have got it 90% covered. Um, I think from... There's still you know, 10% aside, there, Eric. <laughs> to me, I, one, first and foremost, uh, like Carrie mentioned, I think acknowledging the people who participated in the past. Uh, two, giving awareness to everybody uh, of, of what's available out there. The one thing that we also have to give acknowledgement is that researchers always have an interest in finding. Doctors, providers have an interest in helping the patients. And in giving them tools to be able to do that easier, quicker, more productive, I think it's going to help create a circumstance where clinical trials is an additional care option for patients down the road. And Carrie, last word. Oh, I have a vision. <laughs> My vision, when you go to your doctor and you're diagnosed with something, the conversation needs to be about your diagnosis, your prognosis, and also about what clinical trials might be available for you to participate in, should you wish to. And if we can get everyone in Australia having a conversation like that with their GP or their specialist, couple that with technology and things that Eric is working on, other companies like that, then I think we're going to be a long way down the road to better access to clinical trials for Australians, better delivery, faster delivery of clinical trials, and we'll continue to remain very competitive um, and just increase the strength of our healthcare system. Fantastic. Well, thank you to all of you for coming into the studio today and uh, jumping on the phone, Eric. Really appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Thank My you. Pleasure. And you've been listening to the MTP Connect podcast. Really glad you could uh, join us and and subscribe, please, wherever you get your podcast. And we'll we'll talk to you next week. <laughs> <laughs>